0: Hello guys and thank you for another, we got a little small episode, uh, Sunday afternoon episode with you guys. Uh, once again, I'm West Pruden, Jonathan Sturman's down there on the bottom at least he is on my screen. Uh, we have a special guest today, Mr. Logan Redstock. Uh, Logan, how are you doing today, sir?
1: Pretty good, man. Pretty good.
0: John?
2: Okay, and uh, Logan, can you just talk about a little bit of your high school background in general? I know uh, and talk about you know what the reason that we're getting you on as well. Talk about your high school you know coaching career, and then about the college kids that are playing. Co- we have our show called College Football Pick'em, but we're also mm-hmm. ask you to talk about the college kids that you have coached from Germantown, Blival, and now Haywood that are playing playing college football right now.
1: Yeah, we uh. So I started as a wide receivers coach at Blyville for then who was the offensive coordinator, Chris Smith. And then now uh, he got, you know, he got that head coaching job at Germantown and I came over with him and I started with receivers. Uh, And then he looked at me and said, Hey, you know, I really think you should become the defensive coordinator. You know, know, I'll trust you with it. I'm going to give you free reign. And so we kind of had a rough first year and he stuck with me. And then 2017, you know, we went 11 and one defense was pretty good. Went, you know 2018 we go 12 and one and we beat white uh at white haven in, in both of those years for the region title and so uh we were able to kind of get some kids who i think most people in the city would have looked at and kind of been like well you know they're good but are they as good as some of these other programs and so we were able to kind of elevate some of those guys and what comes with that obviously is you know the better stats they have the faster they become all of that kind of stuff the more likely they are to play at the next level so I mean, we've had guys like Jalen Williams, uh, that's at in Indiana, starting right now at corner. You know, we had Cam Baker, who went to Memphis. I think he recently transferred out. Uh, we've got Darion Williamson and Marquistan Douglas. They're both at Florida State right now. Uh, we've got a couple kids. I've got Jalen Lewis, who's just a junior, and Cam Douglas is just a junior, and they've got Power Five offers from just about everybody. Um, but they weren't guys that that people would have initially uh, kind of pegged as those guys. We we feel like we've kind of helped groom them a little bit with what we do in strength and conditioning. And, you know, Coach Smith's a, a, a heck of a head coach. I mean, he's, he's been one of my best friends since I was a, a kid, and he knows how to put guys in positions to succeed. And then, you know, allowing me to do what I need to do to help on the other side of the ball, uh, it just opens more opportunities for those guys. So um, we, we feel like we've, we've figured out a way uh, to get those guys there and to not only get them there, but to have them ready when they, when they go.
0: Let me answer this, uh, Logan. Just co- coming from Blyville, um, and I'm a little bit familiar with their school uh, and their football program, uh, and then coming to Germantown and then now being where you are, uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, just what it's like to deal with uh, the different groups of kids that you're going to coach in those different areas of, of, well, really the country?
1: So you, what you find is that every program has its you know, its benefit and every program has its challenges. And so uh, you can't coach the kids the same everywhere you go. Uh, right. You know, when you when you first walk into a place, you find out very quickly who those kids are. Uh, and, you know, the thing that was interesting about Germantown and Blyville was at the time, like, I grew up there. I played at Blyville. It had never been traditionally very, very good. I mean, it had good independent seasons here or there. Right. Uh, and in my senior year, we were part of one of those. Um, and so we kind of knew what it – would take and it was never a talent issue it was just more of a can we connect all the dots and get all the pieces together um, so the one year we were there they had gone I think like 0 and 10 the year before hadn't scored many points and we wound up going like six and four playing Pulaski Academy which is one of the top programs in the country really close for almost you know four quarters uh, and so we felt like okay we're, we're starting to figure things out we're really young you know at that point coach Smith and I both I think are like 25 26 years old wow. And then Germantown comes open. well, you know, it's one of the most storied programs in Tennessee, especially at the time. And so, yeah. you know, they're looking to kind of modernize and, and change things. And so we come in, and, you know, we, we took it on the chin a little bit early on. But what we realized is that there's not an immediate fix for a lot of these places. And a lot of these, I think, coaches that want to go in and, and think it's just going to change on a dime, I mean, until you meet some of these kids and know who some of these kids are and really evaluate the talent, get in the weight room, and have a chance with them it's very hard to do. Now, there's some people who who are excellent at at doing that. For us, we feel like it's more about cooking. You know, how much time can we really spend with those guys? And then, you know, we go to Haywood, and Haywood was coming off a state title appearance in 2018, but then graduates like 33 seniors. So, you don't know what, you know there's talent there, because you know there's returning players. Like I told you, Marquiston and Darion, for instance. I mean, Mark Easton was 6'6, 240, but had never played a snap of football. We got him off the basketball court and then wow. came in signs, you know, uh, signs and plays for, he's playing for Florida State. Darion was like an all state linebacker and we let him play a little linebacker, but, you know, Coach Smith looks at him and he's like 6'3, 200 pounds, 4'3'8 guy and puts him out there at receiver and now he's catching balls for Norvell down at, you know, at Florida State. Um, And those guys had multiple offers. I mean, everybody from all over the country was coming in to look at them. Same thing with Jalen Williams. I think, you know, he moves in from Texas out of nowhere, just happens to fall into our lap. And basically, I think to this day, still got robbed for not being Mr. Football that year in 2018. I mean, he was doing everything. And then you see what he's doing in college now. I mean, it's it's insane. But, I mean, he had like 35 offers before he left. I mean, when you get people like Saban coming in to check you out and talk to you and Gary Patterson and – you know, all of these guys. And I know there's other programs around the city that have that. But for us, they weren't guys that people immediately would have recognized and said, that's the one, you know. Maybe Darion uh, when he got to Haywood. But some of these other guys, I mean, it's – a lot of it's built. You know, a lot of it's built. And there's been other players. I mean, like Cam Baker, you know, it took him to the last game of his senior year to get offered by Memphis – and yeah. that kid was D, was, was, was at least G five the whole time. And, and nobody would take a chance on him until kind of that, that point. So we just feel like if you can, if you can get into the lives of those kids, really find out what you're doing and what you're dealing with and see where the benefits are, and then go ahead and start the process of molding your culture around some of those cons to turn those into positives, then a lot more positive things will happen.
2: Uh, Logan, can you compare – a lot of people don't are not familiar with the Tennessee, you know, f- high school football that much around the country. Mm-hmm. Can you compare your Germantown 6A to Haywood's 4A a little bit? I know the enrollment's different and everything like that,
1: and your yeah, numbers well, are different. It, it's, what's fascinating is that just sheer, like, let's say God-given talent – there's actually probably more natural talent at Haywood than there was at Germantown at the time we got there. Now, by the time we left, we had developed some of that talent to where, uh, you know, it was, it was moving in all cylinders. It was, it was really a, a program, you know, we felt like at that point. Um, and so the biggest difference is just going to be the fact that if there's a 6A school, you know, you're going to have a hundred to 160 kids. And if you lose a kid, the guy behind him is probably, not that much different you know at Haywood we've got 30 guys that can go get it but if one of those 30 guys goes down and he's in a set position like you're in trouble i mean our starting running back last year was was you know projected to be a major division 1 running back tears his acl so a sophomore has to step in has a great year but he wasn't quite the same size you know body wise we're having to change the scheme around to fix that kid well, then the very next week, Darion goes down, tearing his ACL in the very next game. And so we lose this major P5 talent, and a kid who had come off the baseball team had never played football before is now starting on a Friday night. At Germantown, that didn't happen for the most part. If somebody went down, nine times out of ten, we had somebody that was within the same kind of pool to be able to, to replace that. One exception being a kid named Kevion Ware, who to this day was 5'7", and gave Kevion Mullins, who's at South Carolina, all he wanted. And that kid will forever be a hero to me because he stepped in for another D1 kid that we had that tore his ACL uh, and and fought like heck. So that that kid always, you know, kind of stood out. But that's what you're dealing with in the disparity between size is just overall pull, not so much natural talent. Do you
2: have a favorite memory from your Blavel coaching days and your Germantown coaching days? Oh, yeah. your Haywood Uh, coaching days? So – all three, basically. This one so,
1: Haywood so Heywood is is probably going to be uh, – we're playing South Gibson and they're giving us – they still give us fits. I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, there's that one coach that always just seems to be your arch nemesis. And Coach Stidham does an excellent job over there. And for some reason, for me, he's that guy. And so, we're in a battle. It's it's We're going down to score to have to take the lead. And there's no time left. There's like eight seconds left. And – coach smith looks at me and he's like i'm going for two and i'm like okay you know let's let's (laughs) let's let's take this chance you know it's 49 48 and he throws a pop pass off power right there at the very end and to Marquiston. and they never they never really see it coming and he just dunks on this kid and um you know that was to win to to pull that out and keep us on the track that we were going on um especially after losing a couple of guys to injury and stuff like that was was big um you know germantown that first time of beating whitehaven getting over the hill you know the year before in 2016 we went 3 and 8 but what people didn't really look right. at was some of the scores and we're going toe to toe with cordova who goes 13 and 1 that year or 13 and 2 something like that and then whitehaven wins that state title but we had whitehaven beat that year and if we don't muff a punt and throw a pick going into score we win in 2016 right and we weren't supposed to be very good so in 2017 having to go back and you're in that environment with those kind of kids that are, that are athletic as all heck. And, and Coach Salisbury does a great job. I mean, it was pouring down rain. It was cold. We told our kids, hey, you can't wear sleeves. You've got to go out there barehanded, no gloves, no sleeves. People thought we were insane. And then wind up winning that. <laughs> that, was, that, was, uh, that was incredible. And it was – I mean, I remember I, like, buckled. Like, I fell to my knees because I felt like at that point within the city – we had kind of arrived, we had made it to that, to that point. When you can, in 2017, every team in our region was in the top 10 and six, eight. And some of right. them were ranked, including ourselves in the. For that to happen, that moment was huge. And that set the tone for 2018. When a kid like Jalen Williams leaves and everybody's looking at us and like, well, you don't, you know, you're not going to have anybody to replace him. And then you get the Ethan Payne's of the world, the Cam Bakers of the world, they start showing up, Uh and continue that standard and so it 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 worked itself out for us you know in that respect and then at Blyville it was just to go from 0 and 10 and we started 3 and 0 that year and those kids like having the complete reversal of fortune that I remember the look on some of their faces after that third game and they were just kind of like wow we can we really can play it's not a fluke like it wasn't just hey, we, we beat kind of a bad team week one and a decent team week two. We beat a good team week three. Like, we can do this. You know, we can do this. And so the challenges with some of those programs are just growing pain. So, like, for Blybill, it was a growing like, – consistency is going to be a problem. You know, at Germantown, it was once we figured out the recipe, maintaining that consistency every day. And then at Haywood, it's just been can you keep the standard where it has been for, like, the last – six years. I mean, it's been a semifinal or bust for, I know, like the last four. Um, and so that's where the expectation, excuse me, is going to be.
0: Um, as as a coach of Blytheville, Germantown, do you still keep up with those programs on a yearly or week to week basis? or?
1: I don't really keep up with the programs, but I do keep up with the kids that we've coached. You know, the, once we're, once we're kind of have gone, um, we passively kind of watch those kids because you do pull for uh, them. Right. For life happens decisions are made it's not personal it's just a business decision you know when people offer you more money or or less classes or you know it's hard to turn some of that stuff down from a work-life balance so when you get that figured out you know it's it's you forge these these kind of relationships with these kids so you are passively interested and we do work behind the scenes to try to get those kids into colleges so like kids that when we left germantown we're at haywood there's still guys that would text and say hey can you help me with this like can you help me yeah. with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the programs themselves, I mean, you pull for those places. You want them to continue. You know, you want them to to keep – so, and that's for a part of that place. Like, my name will always be attached to it. Coach Smith's name, like, as a group, we're always going to be a part of that place. Right. So you want it to do well because you don't. you don't want it to be a thing that you're like, well – this was just a blip on the radar you want to create something meaningful you know
0: right
2: how has your preparation this year been different in years past with the
1: covid and everything like that (laughs) it's been probably the hardest year to get ready for and every week you hold your breath um we had five games canceled this year um four of them were region games uh and every week we found out on like a Wednesday or a Thursday. So you've done all this prep work. Your kids are geeked up. You, you, you got the jerseys out to wear to school. And then you got to say, Hey, you got to bring them back because we're not playing this week, you know, and, and it's hard for Haywood just to be candid. It's hard for us to find games. Absolutely. You know, we reached out to people in the city. We reached out to people all over and there were very few like takers of, of, of that. And, the ones that did, like the Covingtons of the world, like Coach Kirby does a great job. Those kids are really tough. Uh, and as a, even though they're a 3A school, they could play with just about anybody when they're full full go. And so we're sitting here like, well, we play a week, we're off for two weeks, we play a week, play a week, we're off for two weeks. And like right now, we won't have played in three weeks by the time we play our first playoff game, which will be the 13th. Um, as far as weightlifting and stuff goes, you know, we have to think more about covid Restrictions and spacing and groups and can we do this that we normally do? So how do we substitute? Um, you know, game day preparation, travel. Like it takes more. We gotta have more buses. You know, we gotta have more space. We gotta have all this kind of stuff. So it's been the by far the hardest year. But where I think football coaches have a unique ability to to thrive in these environments is that this is what every Friday is. The team comes out in something you didn't see. Okay, now you've got to adjust. You know, a, team's line, a, a team is running some kind of personnel package you've never seen. Well, can I match that? Um, you know, oh, there's an injury. Oh, there's this. Oh, there's that. Football coaches are built for the COVID world if they focus in and remember that, that it's just a game like anything else. And as long as you play within the rules and you do everything you're supposed to do, if you're focused enough and disciplined enough, it works itself out. But it, it has been by far the most challenging year uh, the seven years i 've been coaching for sure and, and and coach Smith would reiterate that that same point maybe even more emphatically than than myself
0: I asked this question to uh, coach La, coach lacastro and Chris as well uh, just a few, a few minutes ago on the other show. Um, if you could give one up one one piece of advice a uh, piece of uh, uh, you know twenty twenty vision i guess to an up and coming a young coach, what would it be and, and, and why?
1: Be the coach that you would want for yourself. Be the guy that you would trust with your life to do everything you're asked to do. You know, football is a game of process, and I hate it. I know everybody hates that word, but you're forged as a coach over time. There's very few people who just have the natural ability to walk out onto a field, walk into a locker room, and start winning games immediately. And I think what happens is, and we're all guilty of it as coaches, we all look around and we see things and opportunity and people call and people want to jump and people want to move and, and they don't want to have that bond. And, I, and that's and with, with Chris and myself is that, knowing him for as long as I have and working with him for as long as I have, I've been able to cultivate a skill set over time. And when you do that, when you're a younger coach, if you're patient and you focus and you really learn and you listen and you do everything that's asked of you and more, then what happens is the the kind of path you begin to take as you climb, you start to remember those things yourself. And so that grace that you show to other people as they are developing, you're going to be more patient. If you're someone who, is just trying to jump around all the time and you don't ever really build a cohesive bond with a group of people, then when those people go on and have success, there's a bitterness that kind of comes in. So you, you've got to be able to challenge, to, to channel all of that and to make sure that when people are ready to go and they come to you and say, you know, like my defensive back coach uh, from Germantown went with us to Haywood and then he left to get a defensive coordinator job, but he, he had been with us long enough to where when he comes in and he says, hey, look, I think I'm going to make this jump, you're happy for him because you know he's been through those those fires and he's forged. And when he does that, his level of success is more likely to be, you know, higher than just, hey, what's the next opportunity? Let me jump out. Let me climb. Let me do this. If you do that as a young coach, you run the risk of, one, burnout, and, two, just extreme disappointment. You know, you're going to need some protection at some point. So when you're coming up, you better be protected with people who you trust and who you can work with every day. And, and people don't take that seriously. Like, you spend so many hours, you know, like 90 work hours a week during the season with these people. And if you cannot be this person with that group of people, you're going to be miserable. Yeah. You're just going to be miserable. No. Look, Logan, the last question
2: I got for you because you got some take, – take care of some stuff. Did you play college football? I forgot.
1: I did not actually. Now I oh, was yeah. recruited to play. Um, in fact, I was Blevins' first one, like thousand yard receiver they ever had, like in wow. the school history. And I got recruited to play FCS ball, and just wound up not doing it because I was like, I'm not going to play in the NFL. I don't. I had a bunch of academic money at the time, and so I was like, Hey, I'm going to go do something else, and I did. So teaching and coaching is my is my second my second career. All uh, right, so.
2: Growing up, who was your inspiration on the college rinks and then the, the, the rinks now?
1: Uh let's see. When I was a kid growing up, I was a huge Peyton Manning fan. I had like a Peyton Manning section in my room. Like I had an autograph picture. Like that was my my mom was a big Tennessee fan, you know, growing up.
0: The the uh, neck on the picture was probably about that long.
1: It was, yeah. It was like it was like a giraffe. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but it was it was you know it was it was cool, and so you grow up in the backyard, you know throwing football to yourself or your, or with your dad and you, you know you're running routes and so in my mind, it was always well, if this is what i'm going to be playing receiver, then I can imagine that so growing up, I had that kind of hey i'm catching balls and and sure enough, uh, luckily the guy we had at quarterback when I was in high school was about six four about two twenty and could sling it, and they let us throw it around a lot and and Coach Smith and I had a lot of success with that. And so it kind of was like living out, you know, that dream. Um, as far as NFL, man, I, I, I'll I, be honest with you. I'm not a huge NFL fan, not because of anything other than the fact that I think it's a little boring at times. I think the college game is just much more exciting. You know, I think those athletes are incredible athletes, you know. Agreed. Um but I but I find myself just kinda like, okay, can we get to the fourth quarter where maybe there's a little more drama than 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 not? So I've never really paid much attention. Um but Patrick Willis, once I really got into coaching and re like rewatching old game tapes and seeing what kind of linebacker he was, especially in college and then it carried over yeah. to the NFL. Patrick Willis was a guy that I was like, man, and I remember being in school at Ole Miss when he was there and just The club, like him being out there with a broken hand, like he just exuded Mm -hmm. toughness from a kid who nobody even knew about in, in like the backwoods of some small little town. And he becomes kind of this, this big, you know, player in NFL history. So, um, he would probably be the closest one I would have had, you know, to growing up being like, oh, you know, that's a guy.
2: Any college coaches or NFL coaches that you look up to? Uh,
1: you know, I have moments where I think that uh, P.J. Fleck is – and people hate me for saying this, but I think he is a, a Zen master of culture. I think he knows how to get people moving in the right direction. Ooh. And if he uh, – you know, when you hear him speak, and I've heard him a couple of times at, like, coaching conventions and stuff, and, like, you would get up and run through a wall. Like, you, you feel his energy becomes your energy, and I think that's the mark. You know, of a great coach. But just schematically, you know, I'm torn between Aranda and Venables. I, I've, I've studied them both. I've met Aranda a couple times and talked with him and sat down and talked ball. And so, like, I, he's like a professor. You know, I think he's like a mad scientist. And I don't, you know, I don't know that, that you're going to get much more, much more in depth and much more schematic than him. And I think Flores does a good job in the NFL. Uh, on defense. You know, we'll see. Time is going to tell how that all plays out for him. But I think defensively, uh, he's a he's a good defensive mind.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, as far as uh, you were talking about coaching, um, Dave Aranda, what, is there a certain coach that you would say you um, kind of cater yourselves towards or, you know, think like or do you kind of I, a lot on a lot of different guys?
1: I, I feel like if I could take the the fire of Venables, because I have to have a guy grab me every time I'm calling a play out there. So I'm having I have my own like get that guy because I'm probably the That's most awesome. Player.
0: That is awesome,
1: Smith. To tell you, I'm probably the most penalized coach for sideline warnings in the state of Tennessee. Like it's probably <laughs> not even close. So, uh, so so do we call you the Bobby Knight of college basketball?
0: No, so I was getting no, ready no, to no, say no. just <laughs> getting ready to say that. I was just no, getting ready
1: to no, say no. that, but but. I, I, I have, I, there were, there was like a streak. It got so bad at Germantown. He would come over to me and he go, that's like the seventh game, you know? And it was either a warning or the actual, there had already been a warning. And then I was the one that was the result of the penalty.
2: Yeah. So that was you?
1: Yeah. So that was, so they would always be like, it's the bearded coach. They say it's the bearded guy. And so I just always would joke with coach Smith. I'm like, well, you have a beard too. So don't, don't just blame <laughs> me. Yeah, it was me. So, uh, so if I could take that, Fire that kind of deal, but mix it with the cerebral part of Aranda. That would be kind of where I see my myself. And don't get me don't get me wrong. I think Venables and Aranda are unique because they do things and force people to do things that they're not really used to to dealing with, especially yeah. with pressure. Yeah. Uh, and and for us, I've never been anywhere on defense until really Haywood, maybe this year, where we've had guys. That could just line up and play base defense. I mean, our big we we averaged like nine points a game in 2018 on defense. It's all we gave up, but our biggest guy was only 230 pounds. Wow! I mean, our nose, our, our nose guard was was six foot five eleven, 165 pounds, and had 100 tackles from the nose position. And wow. if you asked any coach, they would always ask us, "Has that kid graduated yet?" <laughs> I mean, we just felt like, and I just feel like for at least the high school level that pressure is where you find your value where you're going to find your money unless you're just physically better than someone you know and you can have all the technique in the world but if somebody's six four three hundred and they lean on you and you're six one two twenty five two thirty you're not going to win many of those those battles so you have to do things uh to mix things up and I also tell people too I'm I'm probably the worst coach in the world but what I can do is trick a 15 to 18 year old I, I know that coaches know what they're seeing on tape I mean there there's wonderful coaches everywhere but is that 15 to 18 year old I can mess with him and if if I can mess with him you can't go out there and throw it for him or run it for him and so that's kind of the same way that I feel like Venables and Aranda that kind of school of how can we maximize pressure to trick the people on the field, not necessarily the minds that are calling the plays out there to the, to the kids. You know, that's, that's kind of my philosophy is. I'm not a very good coach, but I'll trick the heck out of some 15 to 18 year olds. All right. So, I'm sorry. This
2: is, this is the last question I really have
1: for you. No, you're good, man.
2: Okay. Um, is there any certain players that you enjoyed coaching the like against, like for example, I remember the Germantown Arlington days as well. So I'm going to bring you a flashback a little bit of a, uh, Kenneth walker and uh take all right so let, so let
1: me tell you the craziest story about kenneth walker and i'm so happy for <laughs> that kid like watching him on 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 saturdays and what he's doing right now at wake forest so kenneth walker like i guess it was 18 i guess he like jacks up his ankle and he's out for like six weeks doesn't play a game for like six weeks and we've been kind of roping to open teams and it's you know we're we're picked to win that game well, well kenneth comes out in, like, street clothes before the playoff game. Right. Okay. He's, like, walking around, and I'm like, man, that is a specimen. Like, okay, so I think he's not playing. He's in straight street clothes. The whole warm-up everything. We come out. He's in full gear on one ankle and still somehow manages to outrun everybody on the first play of the game. He like They line up in this, like, old Maryland eye, dead tee, wishbone thing. Turn around, time, outruns everybody on one ankle. Next time we kick the we, we go down school, we kick off to him. Uh, the same kid – you guys there, may have lost you. Oh, there you, uh, are. you All right, go. so the same kid that I was telling you about, Keeveon where? All right, it's the same kid I was telling about, Keeveon, little 5'7 guy, kick off, boom, he's like a scud missile, he's taking off. He goes to hit Kenneth because, like I said, he was reckless. He did not he did not care. Kenneth leapfrogs over him like full-scale hurdle, hits the ground, and keeps running. And then, luckily, that was the, the last of Kenneth Walker because after that, I think we well, I think we pretty much shut it down for the rest of the night. The kid I told colleges about that nobody believed me about was Lincoln Perry. Nobody. Yeah. I told people, I said, take a chance on him. He's by far, only Eric Gray in the city is probably better than this kid coming out of Memphis. nobody believed me and there you know he's out there doing his thing at Arkansas State so like I'm happy for him he he gave me more nightmares because you could hit him over and over and over again and it would be one yard two yards negative one two yards and then all of a sudden it's like 88 and he broke like six tackles and ran right through them and you're like where how how did I don't understand you know I don't I don't get it so uh for him to be Mr. Football, I mean, he he single-handedly, I think, really put that Houston team on his back and carried it, you know, as far as he could, as far as he really could. And, um, you know, he was a kid that, you know, uh, and then Dylan Mitchell, you know, we played yeah. Mitchell, and I, I I've never seen a talent like that to be that big and that fast and that strong and could just do whatever he wanted to on a football field. You know, those those guys. I mean, Eric gray you know obviously i don't you don't have to talk much about him people know his whole deal but but those were some of the guys where i was like you know this is not normal uh this is not normal high school right high school
2: football yeah he didn't he's not the leader right now in shelby county i believe with the most touchdowns since he broke somebody's record of like years ago you know yeah but, but uh, the, the reason i'm bringing up your former german like the former player that you used to coach against You know, a lot of people did not give Tate Colwick enough credit as well at Arlington as their quarterback. You know, he basically threw over, maybe what, 8,000 yards made in his high school career. And then you got Jeremy Banks. Yeah, Yeah. then you got Jeremy Banks, who did pretty well at Cordova as well. And then Jacoby Hewitt, who's now playing at Indiana.
1: I think the biggest thing with Tolwick – well, I'm biased because when we played Tolwick, we kind of shut him down that last game he played in the regular season. And so – as a talent, he, he had all the talent in the world. I think Tate's deal was people don't look at him like that because he, he transitioned over to baseball, you know, and baseball right. was a big deal for him. That was kind of what we ran into with Ethan, you know, at German.